Hey, Playmakers, real quick before we get into today's episode, if you're one of those listeners that just cannot wait for that next episode to drop, and if you're over on YouTube and my website binging my content there, I just wanted to say thank you. It means the world to me. But just remember, the free stuff will only get you so far. So if you want my complete proven blueprint for opening a successful and sustainable play cafe or indoor playground business that is profitable from day one, I want to invite you to join me inside my signature course, Play Cafe Academy. Head to the show notes right now to get instant on-demand access to all 12 modules, your detailed pre-launch checklist, your 34-page business plan template, your plug-and-play financial model to help you estimate your startup costs and project your revenue, and everything you need to save time, money, and frustration throughout your entire opening process. For a limited time right now, you'll also get an entire month of free access to Playmaker Society, my invite-only membership created exclusively for Play Cafe Academy students who want to work with me personally to optimize and scale their businesses through coaching, guest experts, legal and operations templates, and plug-and-play resources, plus collaboration with over 220 other owners, plus so much more. Head to the show notes and choose your preferred way to pay in full or over time right now. You'll get more information on the current bonuses. You'll see some success stories of those who have gone before you and exactly what to expect when you join us inside the program. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, happy Wednesday. It's me, your host, Michelle Caruana. And today I have a very special guest on the show. So today we are speaking with Alara Owens, the owner of Project Play in Texas. And Alara has been an extremely valuable member of Play Cafe Academy and Playmaker Society for years now. So it has been such a blessing for both myself and all of the other 300 Playmaker Society members to watch Alara's business truly blossom from behind the scenes. So I feel extra thankful to get to share her story and her behind the scenes of her business with you today. So in this conversation, Alara is going to pull back the curtain a bit by sharing insights into things like how she launched her business and where she found design inspiration and what that launching process looked like why she decided from the jump to have a discovery school as one of her revenue streams, exactly what her discovery school program looks like and how it has evolved over time, how she promotes her fully booked out school by forming relationships with her potential customers online and exactly what that process looks like, what other revenue streams she offers in her business like parties and open play, something she's changed along the way, and some things that have really surprised her about this industry. And then finally, she's going to share the advice that she would give to anyone considering adding a preschool or similar type of program as a revenue stream 
for their indoor playground business. And Alara is actually going to talk about a resource that she's created to fast track your success if that is a path you decide to go on. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Alara Owens. Hi, Alara. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, how are you? I'm great. This has been a long anticipated interview, so I am so excited to dive right in. But before we get into the good stuff, do you want to start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your business? Absolutely. So I'm Alira. Um, I'm the owner of Project Play. We are a small scale children's museum in the DFW area. Um, we host open play. We have events, birthday parties. We also have camps and a discovery school, which is what we are here kind of talking about today. Awesome. So can you tell me a little bit about your starting journey? So where did you get the idea from? And just talk a little bit about your process of opening. So how long did it take? Kind of stuff like that, just to give us some context. Absolutely. So um, I will start. I'm a former teacher, a former educator. So when I started my business, I really knew that I wanted to have an educational point to it. Um, I knew that I wanted the, the school things that were in my space to be educational. And so from there, that's kind of how I built my business plan. My school was always a part of that plan as well. And so, you know, whenever I listed all the things that we were planning to do, that was a part of it. So it took us quite a bit of time to get funding for our location, um, about six months. So, you know, when people are planning this, you really have to go in thinking this is gonna be a long-term situation. From there, we worked with a designer to build the inside of our space, which is a little bit unique to um, our play space. And then from there, let's see, it took us another six months or so. So you're talking about a year, you know, from getting that funding to actually opening our space. We opened our space at December of 31st of 2022. So we hit one year on the 31st. Well, congratulations. That's an amazing, huge milestone. So give yourself a little pat on the back. But I know we're here, as you kind of alluded to, to talk about discovery school and things like that. Is that how you originally envisioned your business or did anything surprise you or did you make any shifts in that first year to kind of get to that milestone? Absolutely. So we actually started um, Project Play with a discovery school. We can go into why social media is so important, but we had six kids enrolled before we even opened our doors, um, which is really, really amazing. And so those six kids um, is kind of how we transitioned. Now we are at 30 kiddos, um, and it has surprised me absolutely with the growth that we are seeing from the you know, beginning of our school days to now. And let's back up a little because I definitely yeah. want to dive into the discovery school, but we kind of yes. skipped past the design aspect of your indoor playground and your space is incredibly beautiful. I'm going to link your social media and your website if anyone wants to check it out. But as you mentioned, your space is very unique to you. So where did you get the inspiration for the design and what was most important to you when it came to choosing those different elements, because I know your space is so intentionally designed. Thank you. Yes. So um, we worked with a designer on these pieces. Now, 
I already knew, you know, hey, I really wanted to kind of focus on kind of farm to table and and natural elements for kids to really learn, really learn. So we have, you know, our chicken coop, we have a beehive, all of these things are kind of intertwined into kind of a big connection of healthy living, essentially. So working with a designer, you know, I gave them, hey, this is my vision, this is my goal. And we really worked together to create a really unique space. Now, it's funny because a lot of people come into the space and they're like, oh my goodness, I get it. I get all of the little things that you're trying to do, the little museum elements as far as like, you know, you can walk through and actually read about, you know, bees and read about um, the farmer's market and important things like that. Um, but you also have some people who walk in and they're like, I don't get it, you know, and they, they would prefer to go to a Chuck E. Cheese type situation. And so education was a part of it. Healthy living was another kind of part of it. Um, and then, yeah, tying in all of those things together. I love how you added the term museum to your business because your space is meant to be a little bit more interactive. When people just come for open play, you want parents to kind of walk children through the different spaces. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And we are continuing to add, you know, QR codes and things like that. So it can really feel more like a mini museum. And that was always, always the goal. And I noticed, you know, one of the things that I love about your space is that you do have some seasonal elements that you rotate. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a 10-foot sensory bin, which all the kids love. I'm learning to love and loathe it, but um, we do change that out pretty frequently. You know, it used to be monthly. And so that's one of the elements that kiddos can come in and expect to see something different. So right now it is um, snowy themed because we are here in kind of that January uh, months. And so we have little Arctic animals in there and things like that. So that element changes. We also have, you know, in that they can use a little scavenger hunt um, and look for things. So we're always changing up our sensory table bin. We also kind of add in little elements inside of the things that we have. So we have a garden center. We're always changing up what they're going to be planting inside of those. So little things to kind of make changes. So when the kiddos come in, oh, this is new. Yeah. And I think that's so important and often overlooked, especially with a space like yours that has a lot of the same kids, you know, playing every single day or multiple times yeah. per week. And you also have memberships in your space. Is that correct? We do. Yes, we do have members. So changing out those things seasonally, I think probably help, helps keep the space fresh and engaging for those people that are in your space continuously, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I have seen people totally transition like their houses and things like that, which I think is amazing, amazing because our little, ours are a little more permanent. That's a little bit trickier for us, but we are finding ways to do that. Awesome. And before we get a little bit deeper again into the discovery school, because I know everyone is curious, there are a couple of things that I just can't, again, end this conversation without asking about. So I figured we would get them out of the way first. So, you know, a big misconception that I think a lot of people have when they're going into this business, or maybe I guess a point of confusion is that if you have a discovery school, or if you have one kind of main revenue focus, that means you can't offer anything else, or it excludes you from being able to do things like open play memberships parties. So outside of your discovery school, and we just talked about memberships and open play, what other things does your business offer? Absolutely. So, you know, Project Play, I think is a really great example because we literally do it all. My staff is amazing and we have a lot of plates moving, but I mean, we still have our memberships. Now, again, we, you know, some people have a hundred members or so that is not the case because we do have a little bit more limited 
number of hours. And that's just, that's just the way that is. We often offer birthday parties on the weekends and are consistently booked with those. Um, we do events kind of throughout the week and then occasionally on the weekends when we have those open spots. Um, we also have camps, which are a hot, hot commodity commodity here at Project Play. But we'll save that for, for another day. And then of course, our discovery school. But yes, you can absolutely have multiple revenue streams and highly recommend it. Yeah, choosing a revenue focus doesn't mean all of the other, you know, potential revenue streams have to fall by the wayside. Choosing a focus just helps you, again, direct your business and lead your priorities, but you can absolutely still offer all of the things. And I, like you said, I think you're an amazing example of that. Thank so, you. you know, before we get into the logistics, and I know I'm teasing the audience a little bit, I don't mean to be doing that, but something that you touched on that I don't want to leave behind is you mentioned, you know, social media and especially in the pre-opening months, I think you are again, a shining example of somebody who opened with pre-bookings with people already enrolled with people literally lining up at your door waiting for you to open. So can you talk a little bit about your marketing strategy, especially pre-opening and then how that transformed after you opened your doors? Absolutely. So I think this is definitely understated for a lot of people. They assume, oh, I don't have a location yet, so I can't start. Um, absolutely not. You start as soon as you have a kind of city, you know, really in mind. And so I probably started my social media page right alongside um, when we got our official loan payment saying, okay, this is real. Let's, you know, let's go. So about for six months, I was posting, uh, you know, about our our space, what was happening. People saw the construction. People are tend to be pretty nosy. So they want to know what's going on. They want to know what's happening. And I, I just walk them through step by step. So I know a lot of people are like, I have nothing to post. Like, what do I post about? They want to see the day to day. And so I think that was hugely important to the success in already having a pretty, pretty big following by the time we actually opened our doors. Now, you, of course, will get that. When are you opening? every week, but, but that builds that excitement. And so really my marketing strategy is opening that door, letting people see what's really going on inside of your building. I think that's huge. Yeah. And I think people really underestimate exactly what you say, the day-to-day -day. people, not just people, not only want to see what's going on in the physical location, they also want to know about you. And I love that you told your story and you shared your reasoning for opening the space. You shared some of your inspiration and, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, no one's going to care that we painted today or nobody's going to want to see the transformation of our coffee bar or, you know, our mm -hmm. classroom or something like that. But people are nosy and people are interested. So every single little thing that happens in your space could potentially be a point of connection with your audience. And again, I think you did an amazing job of opening that door, not just to your space, but also to your backstory and all of the reason, reasons why you wanted to open the space and bring it to your community. Thank you. So when it comes to posting and posting updates and posting, I know you did a lot of welcoming of new members every time somebody signed up and you welcomed your Discovery School students. How important is making sure all of those posts are cohesive and on brand? How important do you think that is to your overall marketing strategy and people recognizing that when they're scrolling through, oh, this is project play? 
Absolutely. Um, I think it's, I think it is really important. I think having a brand, having a color scheme, all of those things I think really helps your business look professional. And I think it kind of builds the, your audience's trust. So yeah, we have a social media a template that I use. And again, this was just something I bought off of Etsy. I'm not talking about thousands upon thousands of dollars. Um, you can get a Canva design that you, you know, just take and use. I've used your beautiful Canva design, has changed it to my color scheme, and people can see, oh yeah, oh yeah, Project Play posted today. So I think it's really important to have a brand um, and to kind of follow through with that because people do, they really do like to see a cohesive uh, image in, in my mind. I think they do. Yeah. And something that I've noticed too, is a lot of people have this block about posting the same post multiple times, but something that I really love about your marketing is I know, you know, every single month I see your post welcoming your new members every single month. I see your schedule. And, you know, I really think that you are again, a great example of not being afraid to post the same thing, use the same templates because it actually helps to form that consistency and people start to expect it and they love seeing the monthly updates. And when they see, again, you post on social media, they know exactly what to expect. So I'm so glad that you are, you know, really employing that work smarter, not harder philosophy when it comes to your marketing and it's clearly working. Absolutely. Thank you. So one other question that I wanted to ask before we got into the discovery school stuff is, you know, when it came to coming up with your website and social media and things like that ahead of opening. I noticed one of the things that you invested in that I thought was extremely smart was professional photography and videography. Can you tell us a little bit about why you made that investment and if you think it was worth it? Absolutely. Um, again, I think you have even mentioned this in your course, like you can only go so far with stock photos, right? Um, people want to see what's happening inside your space. Yes, we can take fairly decent photos on our iPhone, but when you, again, all about professionalism, you want to be a professional image, you know, especially when you're having families drop their kiddos off at your place, even when you just want to come into the building. And so for me, that was already a given. Hey, I want to do a photo shoot and I want to bring in, you know, a professional videographer for it. It was a, it was a large investment, but it was so worth it. We are, I still post those photos um, from our, shoot back a year ago. And so, you know, it is, it is definitely something invaluable, I think. Yeah. And I think I've seen you do some refreshes and new photo shoots. Is that something yes. that you're striving to do every year or every couple years? So this new one actually kind of came upon, I don't do a ton of bartering. However, this mom in particular, she is a professional photo photographer. So she does commercial work and, you know, she did ask, Hey, can we do this for uh, a birthday party. And, you know, for me, knowing what I paid for a, you know, professional one last year, I was like, absolutely, let's do it. So we signed a contract, made a little contract, signed it. And so she was able to, we just did a refresh one year later, which is really great too, because we've updated our space. We've added things. We have new kiddos that of course want to join. Um, and I will add, you need to be, you know, when we're doing these things, it's very smart to add in you know, hey, we're doing a photo shoot. You need to, you know, sign up. Always on that sign up list. Have you been to Project Play? No, you know, or yes. You know, people get excited when their kids get to be on things. So that was something that moms groups allowed me to post 
all the things. And we got over a hundred applicants for the photo shoot, this last one. So just keeping in mind that use your audience, use things that you're already doing to bring in fresh new kiddos for your photo shoot. That's awesome. And it's kind of a way of, you know, getting around those, you know, no self-promotion rules in a lot of those Facebook groups, because that really is, you know, a community engagement opportunity. And it's something that can benefit both parties. So again, I I love that way of kind of leveraging those groups in an unexpected way. And I absolutely love bartering. I did it all the time. I didn't even realize when I asked that question that it was a great example of bartering because you would never know as a customer, but behind the scenes as business owners, we have to be so smart about our investment. So again, I think any opportunity you have to barter that is a win-win situation is so smart. So I'm so happy to hear that, but now we can kind of dive in to the discovery school. So I know you mentioned that this was something that you kind of set out to do. So when you were deciding, you know, what you wanted the school to look like, what elements you wanted in terms of designing your space um, to make this possible, can you talk a little bit about how you made those first couple steps when it came to planning out your discovery school? Absolutely. So first and foremost, we knew, hey, we're going to be offering classes, which means we need a classroom. And we hear a lot, even in our group, do I need a classroom? Do I not? Do it, do it, do it, do it for whatever reason, because you may, you may need it. Um, So we started with one classroom, which also was going to be switched between our party room, of course, on the weekends and our discovery school. So already in our layout, I knew, hey, I need a classroom. Um, That was separate from our our current space. I also kind of knew in the back of my mind, eventually we may need to grow, which also did happen. And this summer we ended up creating two more classrooms, kind of out of nowhere. You know, we did have to take some space out of our current play space. But when I say no one like blinked an eye, no one literally blinked an eye. I'm like, did y'all not notice? you know, but they didn't. And so going, you know, when you're thinking, hey, this is something I might want to do from the beginning, think with the end in mind, I think it's really, really important. How many classes could I fill? Do I need one? Do I need to, you know, start there? I think that's so smart, especially, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of times businesses do need to pivot or their revenue streams don't play out like they expected. So, you know, that's one of the reasons I recommend having a party room, whether you're planning to do a preschool or a drop-off option or not, because, you know, worst case scenario, it can just be flex space. It can be a private party room. You can do one-off classes during the day. It doesn't mean you necessarily have to have an everyday drop-off program, but if you do need it, if the economy does take a turn, or if there is excessive demand in your area, I know for us right now, there are wait lists a mile long for every single preschool. So Just giving yourself the ability to be agile or pivot as needed, I think is so important. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. So I know you mentioned that you decided to expand your your preschool and add the two other classrooms. How did you decide to do that? And why did you decide to do that? Absolutely. So when you start, you know, getting the demand, hey, getting the emails, can you, do you have a twos program? Do you have this program? And you start looking, oh my goodness we need more space, you really have to start looking at the numbers, you know, hey, what is going to be financially the best option for us? And then you also have to see, is there a demand? Send an email, get some information. When people walk in the door, hey, would you be interested in something like this? So first, you kind of have to pull pull your uh, 
audience. And then two, you kind of need to make some specific moves. Hey, this is what we're thinking. If you're interested, put your email down. All of those things are great ways to start. But yeah, it was very clear after our first kind of session, which was like January to May, because that's when we first opened, we knew, hey, we're, we're going to have a big demand here uh, for, for different age groups and for more kids. Awesome. And I know you mentioned before, you know, doing a year-long program or doing a program that lasts more than just a couple weeks. Um, can you talk about why you think that's beneficial? Absolutely. So really just because of how it fell, that's what our first session was. It was a January through May. However, you know, we are in our first full school year and it is beautiful in the sense that we're not having to re-recruit kiddos. We're not having to start fresh of a class. This is another thing. We truly are a you know, school or a preschool, whichever one you want to say. Um, you know, we're not in six weeks. We're not a, you know, part-time. You are committing to a full year. You also have a full year knowing, hey, these kiddos are going to be paying tuition. And I think that's huge. So it keeps, you know, um, structure with your teachers. It keeps structure with the kiddos and the parents, you know, if they're already dying to be there, most likely they will stay, you know, obviously if you create a really great program for them. So It'll be easier in the long term having a full long calendar school year. Yeah. And I noticed you started promoting your preschool program pretty early this year, um, but it's great because you only have to do that once per year. So what were some of the things you did before the school year actually started to let people know about your program? Um, again, social media is huge. I post, I've posted all year, every Tuesday, Thursday what we do in discovery school. So no one is shocked, no one is surprised. You are seeing firsthand what our kiddos do. That in itself is huge. Um, and then from there, of course, I send you know weekly emails out. Occasionally it'll have discovery school information, but letting people in to see what we do on the daily is how you're going to bring in customers and bring in new students. So let's talk about that. What does a typical day look like for your discovery school? What ages is it? What are the hours? And what does a typical day look like? Because I know people are curious. Yes. So we are now Tuesday, Thursday. So we no longer have open play on those days. We have maxed out. We need the full space. So we have about 30 kiddos in our program right now. Still growing, uh, but 30 kids. So basically, uh, we have three classrooms now. We have a twos program. We have our preschool program, which is the threes and the fours. And then we do now have a five-year-old kindergarten kind of homeschool co-op group. So three classrooms, we have four total teachers and in our space, and it's a wonderful makeup. Of course, the kiddos get time to play in our museum area. And then we also have structured lessons and things throughout the day. So is it an all-day program or is it a half-day program? We have an option. So the kiddos have the option of doing a half-day or they can do a full day. Um, in our preschool program, everybody is full day. They have the option and everyone is still full day. Our twos, we do have about half and half. So half the kiddos leave at noon and then the others are with us till three. We do not offer any before or after school, things like that. So you still have to be kind of a part-time working, you know, or work from home family to, to kind of engage in what we're doing, but it works for us right now. That's awesome. And I think a lot more people in this day and age after the pandemic are working from home or have more flexible schedules. So I think the demand for those part-time programs has absolutely increased. 
um, in, you know, areas all across the country. So I love that offering. And it's actually pretty standard for our area, even though we don't have a large work from home population. And there are still very long wait lists for even those half day programs. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. So you talked about your teachers and I love how much you share them and celebrate them on social media. I think you do an awesome job. Where did you find the teachers that work in your program? Yeah, great. I, great. And um, we get this question a lot. Hey, where did you go? So again, when you share on social media, you will get lots of, even on your personal Facebook page, we have a lot of, you know, friends of a friend, not necessarily friends, but a friend of a friend, which I think works out really well. We've, I found a wonderful teacher on Indeed. You kind of have to sort through some others, but you can get there. Um, and then we also have, let's see, people who, you know, have inquired about, hey, are you hiring? Um, you know, and occasionally, you'll, you know, of course, they'll say, send over your resume. And we found great people who have found us. So kind of a combination of all of, of all of them. And a benefit, I think, of having that full year preschool is not only do you not have to recruit children multiple times a year, but you probably don't have as much turnover when it comes to staff because your staff is also committing. Absolutely. They are committing to that full year of of school. That's great. So what do you think are some benefits, especially since you have expanded to do more of the more focus on discovery school what are some benefits you think that brings to you as an owner and to your business really it it comes down to being financially stable you know you talk about this often I wish we could scream it from the rooftops but open play is fickle and it is uh it is just depends on the weather, quite literally. And so having this type of program really creates stability. Um, and so I think that, that is hugely important, you know, when you're creating a business such as this, you want something that is going to pay your rent every month. And thank goodness, you know, our Discovery School does that. That's awesome. And it probably, you know, helps you just mentally um, as an owner, because you know that, you know, those bills are going to be covered every month. When you're relying on weather reports, when you're, you know, having to make up for those fickle open play days, it can be very stressful and it can probably lead to, you know, strain in your personal life and things like that. So, you know, a lot of people look at the financial benefits, but those financial benefits, I think, spill over into personal benefits. Do you see that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Once the kind of the stress of like, oh my goodness, we don't have to literally count how many people come in every day on those, you know, alternating days. Yeah, I can breathe. Even looking forward to like this next school year, because again, we're in January, but we're already starting enrollment, you know, for August. It is looking really, really awesome and and super exciting, you know, because naturally we are raising rates and things like that to kind of be comparable with everybody else. That's great. And something that I noticed you changed about your business recently is the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, where you do do open play. You previously did time slots and now you're doing just you know, come at any time while you're open. Can you talk a little bit about that change and why you made it? Absolutely. So in the beginning, I will say it was really helpful to kind of manage things. It was really helpful for my staff to kind of know when to clean up. However, I do know like as a mom that is, or as a, you know, anyone, it is hard to pick a time slot, be there on time. You can only stay a certain amount of time. And so after kind of that initial, like one year of like, okay, we can handle this. We we know what we're doing here. You know, it was time to open that up, especially because we already limit our families being like, hey, we're closed Tuesday, Thursdays. Um, so this gives everybody freedom. My staff is now, they're like, oh, we got it. We're good. 
And then the reality is, after the initial excitement of your opening day, things will settle down. Things will kind of lull out, meaning, you know, you're not going to get these huge waves of people every single day on holidays and things like that, of course. However, it's very manageable. So we kind of transition that because we have a 3,500 square foot space, we can we can open it up and have plenty of space. And, and have people been appreciating that openness now? Absolutely. Now we're still kind of getting the numbers as far as like, is that changing numbers financially and everything like that? So we're going to dive into that and really, really see kind of the transition of it. But so far, yeah, of course, the, the reception has been, this is amazing, you know. Great. Yeah, I know as a parent, I really appreciated that. Um, you know, especially in the different seasons of motherhood, sometimes it's easier to choose time. Sometimes it's just not. So, um, it's good to hear that your community is really appreciative of that change. So we talked about some of the benefits of running the preschool program, along with all of these other services. What are some of the challenges that you faced, um, especially, you know, now that you have a year under your belt? Absolutely. Um, there are many, many challenges, you know, on top of running an indoor play space, which is already, you know, you are maxed out on time. You are now a director. You're now a principal. You are now managing staff in a different way. And you're managing the families that you have underneath you. It is, it's a lot. It's a lot of plates to spin. And there's a lot of other things that you have to add, meaning, you know, now you have to get these courses guidelines to send to parents. You need to have a parent handbook. You need to do all of these things. And so that was kind of a struggle for me. And, you know, I will say, because I get this question so many times, like, how exactly ever, what did you do? Give me the step-by-step. -step. You know, I actually did create a course for it, you know, and so people who are interested in, you know, creating this type of schooling or this type of preschool, you know, I did create a course to help them step-by-step step go through how to open a school in your home, church, indoor playground, um, or even out in nature. Because we, as we know, that's kind of all the rage right now going on uh, those four schools. So all to say lots of challenges, but, um, you know, when you find the right mentors and things like that, you can absolutely overcome them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so smart that you created that resource because, you know, a lot of people think, well, I can figure it out. I can do it myself. And, you know, I come across the exact same thing when people come to me, you know, thinking about enrolling in my course, but thinking, you know, I'm not going to spend the money when I can just do it myself. But what I found and what I'm sure you're going to find is that, yeah, usually people can figure it out, but it's going to take them years. It's going to cost them tens of thousands of dollars in recreating the wheel and making the expensive mistakes that you and I have already made. Um, you know, figuring out all of those resources, the handbooks, the waivers, the legal resources, the social media posts and templates and things like that. So I think it's so smart that you created that because if something is already working, you know, why not save tens of thousands of dollars in years of your life and all of that mental and physical energy on creating something from scratch that is already available. You know, a lot of people look at these investments in mentors and coaching and courses as, you know, gosh, it's so expensive, but really you're going to be saving so much money. Even if you just make, you know, one adjustment to your original right. plan 
and that saves you a couple thousand dollars, it is absolutely worth it. So again, I know I went off on a tangent, but I'm so glad to hear that you created that resource because learning from somebody who went before you, I can't, you know, undersell how important that or oversell rather. I can't yeah. overestimate how important it is to find a mentor. Um, and so again, I'm so glad that you're going to be that person because I think the need is there for these schools, whether it's in the indoor playground industry, or again, just somebody looking to impact their community and meet the childcare and preschool demands of their area, because I know that there are so many areas in desperate need. Absolutely. And then just so everyone is clear, Michelle has been my mentor. And so, you know, I took her course and ran with it and it was, it was amazing. So just wanted to get that out there. Yeah, but this is something that I don't teach. So again, I'm, I'm so glad that you are kind of taking that experience with your own experience and really running with it. Because again, a lot of people won't want to run discovery schools with their indoor playgrounds, but for the people that do, I'm so glad that there's a resource available. So we kind of talked about marketing. We talked about what your school day-to-day -day looks like. We talked about um, some challenges. The next thing I kind of wanted to talk about in regards to those challenges is you know, I, I know that you offer all of these different things and you talked about running the play school and how it's a lot more difficult than people think it requires a lot more work. Have you noticed any challenges specifically around, you know, being an open play facility and a preschool or, you know, offering parties and a preschool? Do you ever get, you know, complaints or anything that comes up with people being confused or with people wanting to come play on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, surprisingly, not so much. Um, again, because it was part of my original plan, it's not something new or something that just haphazardly, oh, now we're doing X, Y, Z. You know, of course, yes, the days have, you know, altered a bit. However, because it was always a part of the thing, they only know project play of being, oh, they're a school. Oh, and they do birthday parties. So again, there was never this transition in their minds. It was always there from the beginning. Now, yes, occasionally you will get, you know, the random person who comes in, knocks, you know, on the door on a Tuesday or Thursday. But again, it's kind of rare. And again, I'm going to circle back to having reserved play session times. Because we got our families into such a routine of booking ahead of time, when this lot is not available, it, people are really good about, oh, I guess, you know, they're not doing it today. So again, there are some really important factors to that, because I think forever people will still be like, oh, let me check the website, even though we are now open on those days. That was helpful for us. But I'm glad that you mentioned that you are going to look at the numbers and you are going to see yeah. how that's impacted, because a lot of people will make these changes and then they'll just kind of move on to the next thing. And they will forget to circle back and figure yeah. out, okay, is this improving my profit? Do my, does my staff love this? Do my customers love this? So I'm so glad that you're kind of going to go back and figure out, okay, does this make sense to continue? Should we pivot? Um, because it's so important. And it seems like a no-brainer, but I can't tell you how many owners, again, make these decisions, make these pivots, and then they have the best intentions to maybe come back and look at the numbers or dive a little bit deeper. And I'm sure, you know, things happen. The next shiny object pops up. The next thing to promote comes up and they just forget. So it's a great right. reminder that you always want to go back after you make especially a major change and say, hey, you know, how did this end up working out? Do we need to go back? And, you know, a lot of people do have to go back or they try something and it doesn't work. But 
something that I love about, you know, a lot of the people in Playmaker Society is that they're not afraid to try new things. They're not afraid to make changes. And if something doesn't work out, they're not afraid to say, hey, you know, we tried this new thing. It doesn't seem like you enjoyed it as much as we expected. Right. So, hey, we're going back. But I'm so glad that you're listening and that you're paying attention um, to those numbers. And one last note, I will say, a lot of people um, kind of flip-flop a little too fast. I think pivoting is wonderful, but literally we spent a whole year in that time session, you know, situation. So I do think people need to give it some time um, before kind of transitioning to the next thing. So I think that's just kind of a little important note that make sure you're giving everything time. You have to give your audience enough time to learn what change you even made. Um, you know, so I think that's important too. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, a lot of people will try out a preschool program or they'll try out a drop-off program or, or they'll they'll try out a camp program, but they just kind of post it once. They didn't get, you know, a flood of customers. And then immediately they're like, well, I tried that. It didn't work. Right. So for somebody who is, you know, kind of feeling that, what would you recommend when it comes to, you know, making sure you give it time and promoting it effectively? What kind of lead time, for example, and when it when someone is considering again just doing even a simple drop off program or a simple camp how much effort do you think needs to go into promoting it before somebody decides you know this isn't what my customers want because i totally agree that people give up on it too quickly absolutely um so for example we use our summer camps we have already opened summer camp obviously for the you know the summer of 2024 but before that i am posting constantly about our summer camp. It is wonderful because I have pictures to post from last year. However, I'm talking three months before you post summer camp is open. You need to be talking about your summer camp. You need to be hope, you know, maybe you have the teachers. You need to be sharing who the teachers are about summer camp. I love the feature where you can add a little countdown calendar. Some of my countdowns say like five months to a blank, you know, and you want to know what? Those families are add that calendar. You can see who's added that calendar to your schedule. So at least three months at minimum, you should be talking about the program that you are about to promote. Okay. So like a week before is absolutely not enough time, you know, and people don't always watch your stories too. In your mind, you're like, everybody sees everything. That's why you can post things again and it's okay. You have your handful that'll of course watch everything of your story, but like give people plenty of time to see what's really going on. So I would say about three months of lead time for whatever you're about to launch. And that's not from the time camps are starting. That's from launching the camps. Yes, so I think you launched your camps in early January, right? For summer of 2020. Yes. yes. And we already have two that are sold out. Yes. That's amazing because again, <laughs> a lot of people will say, oh, I see all these other people doing summer camps. I'm going to do summer camps. And then they'll post them in like April or May. And then Next year, they'll say, Michelle, what can I do to improve my summer revenue? And I'll say, oh, have you tried summer camps? Oh, posted them last year, didn't take off. And again, right. they don't have the right lead time and they're posting them much too late. I know in our area, again, people start booking in January. So if you know you are in a seasonal area, if you know that open play or parties or any of your revenue streams are going to drop off, you need to be talking about this. Again, take Alara's suggestions plan it and start talking about it months in advance and then plan to launch them again January February if you're listening to this right now and you're planning to do summer camps for yes. 2024 they should already be open for registration yes absolutely 
I'm so glad you brought that up. So for somebody who is thinking about maybe, let's say, adding a discovery school or even a couple day per week drop-off program to their facility, what is some advice that you would give them or what are some things that you would like that them to consider before maybe enrolling in your course or, um, you know, in just making the final decision? Absolutely. So first and foremost, I would say do it. Um, it really does give you peace of mind. Now you are going to have some different, you know, challenges, meaning we do offer memberships. However, you know, you probably will lose some members if you are currently offering memberships, just because your days may be a little bit more limited. Um, I would also say you need to have a classroom. You know, if you're really wanting this to be a long-term thing, even if you start with one class like myself, you need to have a separate space for those kiddos. Three, do a lot of research about tuition rates in your area, what type of facilities are kind of in your area and make sure that you set yourself apart to be unique, okay? Um, obviously you are in a play space. So, you know, coin that being play-based. That is exactly what we are. And we are the only play-based preschool in our area. And that's what we, we tell people and they love it. So when it comes to like the logistics of opening a preschool program like this, do you need to be licensed as a daycare? Well, it really depends on your state. Okay. So, um, I do mention this in my course in every single state, I have exactly where you need to go to see your regulations. It's going to depend. Um, really it's going to be a case by case and you, you will need to look that up. I know in New York, you don't need to be licensed if you're doing under five hours of care per child per day. And I'm actually always surprised at how few licenses you need to operate something like this. So a lot of people have this misconception that it is so difficult to get licensed and things like that. But again, I would encourage you to look up your state-specific regulations because you might be surprised at how few hoops there are to jump through as a potential preschool. And, you know, this is great for us as business owners. It's a little bit scary for me as a parent. So it did make me do a little bit more due diligence when I signed my children up for preschool opportunities. But the good news is, is that it is a lot more accessible and a lot more, a lot less, again, hoops to jump through than a lot of people think. Absolutely. But definitely, I'm always like, point them to their childcare regulations. Absolutely. But yeah, and then you have some people in, in our group, though, who can only do like one hour a day. So you really, yeah, that's going to be something that, that you're going to have to kind of inquire on on your own. But those of us who do have that option, it's really great. Yeah. And before we move on, one quick question, because I know you mentioned earlier in the interview that differentiating yourself against the other options in your area is so important. Can you talk a little bit about what a play-based program means and how that's different from a typical preschool program? Absolutely. So being play-based means that pretty much everything you do is going to be hands-on. And we all know that that is how kids learn best anyway. Typically in a play-based program, they're doing very few, if at all, any worksheets. You know, you are really using kind of stations and center time to really facilitate learning. Um, and yeah, you were just kind of keeping the focus being we are learning through play. And quite honestly, parents want that these days. They know how important play is, but they just, a lot of times they just don't have the option and especially in a school facility. And I think being open in an indoor playground facility is an incredible opportunity. And it's a very easy way to differentiate yourself because as you mentioned, a lot of preschool programs are held in 
churches or in environments that maybe aren't as intentionally designed for play. So I think that's really smart that you kind of want that very specific path. Absolutely. And I will say, um, you know, we had mentioned before, like how, you know, how do you market, you know, this school and people ask me all the time, you know, how much money do you put towards marketing this school? I'm going to tell you, I have spent zero dollars marketing our discovery school. Um, it really does market itself. Now, again, this didn't just happen. We're talking about our social media. We're talking about every time you walk into our building right there as a classroom, the parents say, oh my gosh, you have a school too? So these things are just invaluable, you know? So when you're thinking, oh my goodness, how am I gonna get these students? If you have an indoor playground space, they will already be there. Now you just have to promote the school. And I noticed that you do a lot of member networking events and Discovery School student-only events, and you're posting those all on social media. And I noticed they post it all over social media as well. So do you like to involve the families in your in your Discovery School and get them together and do those types of events for marketing and just for community? Yes. So we do have, you know, members only events. Sometimes we have discovery school events again, because we really are a school. I mean, we do a Christmas program. We go on a whole field trip together. Um, so, so all of those things are really, really important. We also utilize, Hey, like who gets a discount discovery school and members. That is it. You know, people ask, Oh, do you have a discount for this? Only, you know, if you're a discovery school student or a member, you will see that posted everywhere. And I think that also is, is helps us a lot as well. Yeah. I love that you weave it into every single facet of your business so that people literally can't visit your business and not know that you have a discovery school option. So I think that's so cool. And one other thing that I kind of wanted to end on is I know you do have a lot of I don't want to say local competition, but there are other indoor playgrounds in your area. So can you talk a little bit about how you've kind of leaned into the community over competition philosophy there? Absolutely. So, you know, we are in DFW and so there are a plethora of options. People are not unfamiliar with indoor play spaces. Um, And so you know, coming in, we all knew that we need to be really unique. Now, there are a small group of us who are about 20 miles-ish from each other, and we kind of all found each other on social media, and we decided, hey, like, let's start meeting, because no one else understands what we are going through except for us. So we meet monthly, literally, we meet monthly. Uh, It's the first Monday of every month, and we go to dinner together, and we just talk about the highs, the lows, we laugh, we sometimes cry, um, just and talk about the experience that we're going through. Not only is it wonderful to have, again, just a side-by-side business person who can give me great feedback for, for my space as well, but it's also just a really great community building and great for our mental health too. Absolutely. And, you know, I have our online community of indoor playground owners, but there is really no nothing better than meeting in person face to face. And we are, you know, doing a live event this year, but, you know, I would really encourage anyone looking to open a local business like this to find your local community, to reach out to people in your area, you know, don't automatically assume that just because somebody is 20 miles away from you, that they're automatically the enemy, because I I love your philosophy on this. And I was so happy to hear that you guys are meeting monthly and that you do it regularly and that you prioritize it. 
because yeah. you really don't understand just how important it is for your well-being as an owner and as a person until you are in there because even if you have an online community, this type of business can be incredibly isolating and lonely. I know for me, this is something that came up for me a lot. It felt like everybody wanted to be my friend when I was just opening, but then it kind of felt like, oh, this person wants something from me. You know, oh, this person wants a discount or, oh, this person wants business advice for free or something like that. So yes. just reaching out to people who truly get it and surrounding yourself with people who you know, have the intention of lifting you up and collaborating, I think is so important. So I'm so glad that you found your local tribe. Yes, absolutely. And then we also just side note, we also even share like our bluey costumes and all the things. So that is also another win-win for all of us. But um, yeah, it, it really is a great, great little community. Yeah. Community over competition, if you can manage it is always, I think the way to go because competition is always going to be there you might as well find a way to make it mutually beneficial. Of course, there are always some outliers where competitors can get a little bit nasty, but you know, give it a chance and reach out. And again, I love it when businesses find ways to work together. So do you have any plans for expansion or anything exciting coming up for your business? Absolutely. So it's funny because in 2024, I had said that we're going to have, and I'm using air quotes, a chill year, uh, but we are actually already beginning um, some progress on the back space behind our building. So we already have an outdoor space, um, which we call our discovery garden. We're now going to be starting construction on the back space, which is gonna be kind of a Montessori type um, outdoor space for our school kiddos and then campers. Um, and then we are kind of at another crossroads with our school right now, because we are just essentially tapped out. So we will be, we are in talk, talking about potentially, you know, either moving the school somewhere or trying to acquire some more space really close to where we already are here at Project Play. So that's kind of what we will see on the horizon for our 2024 potential space growth in, in our facility. Well, that is very exciting. Congratulations. And that is just such a testament to how well you're doing and what a positive impact that you're making on the families in the community. So you should be so proud. Thank you. So I know everyone is probably very excited to learn more about you and about your business. So where is the best place to follow you? Absolutely. Okay. So our um, play space information is going to be at, at Project Play Museum. Um, and then from there, you can check out our website and all of that, which has, you know, the branding, all the branding in the video that we had talked about before that has really kind of helped support us. And then we now have what we're calling uh, the Modern Micro School, which is going to be the course that I have. And that will, you can find that on social media as well. And I think we'll link that below for anyone who is interested in truly a step-by-step -step blueprint of how to get from point A to point B. All right, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and expertise and your generosity. This was such an incredible interview. Thank you. All right, that wraps up my interview with Alara Owens from Project Play. So as always, Alara's website and social media channels and all of the resources discussed are linked in the show notes of this episode. Now, Alara was requested by many, many people to be a guest on this podcast. So if you have a recommendation for a potential guest or a topic that you would like me to cover, please let me know on Instagram. I value your feedback so much because this podcast isn't for me. This podcast is for you, so let me know what you want to hear next. 
All right, have an amazing day, Playmakers. I will see you right back here in your feeds on Monday.